0: So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to Project at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get
1: rolling.
2: All right. Hey, guys, I'm here today. I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm here with Arun Santa Benner. How are you doing, Arun?
1: doing great rob how we, nice to nice to uh, do this podcast with you
2: yeah absolutely i'm pretty excited so for everyone out there who maybe they don't know who you are so you're a co-founder of petasense and then before that you were also the co-founder of resolve VoiceGain, voice gain and iceva uh, looking at your background you know you've been a tech entrepreneur for a long time how did you get into the maintenance and reliability space
1: Uh, Great question, uh, Rob. Yeah, it's been uh, now about four and a half years since, uh, you know, we got into this main, I got into this maintenance and reliability space. There are two stories around that. One is 20 years back when I graduated, I had a degree, I, I got a degree in material science and metallurgical engineering. But, you know, interestingly, I never... Uh, worked in that space, so for some way, for in, in some ways, for me, this is a homecoming, right? So when I when I graduated, I would go to steel plants, uh, you know, I would go uh, as part of my uh, studies in engineering. I would visit, you know, metal plants, aluminium plants, and all of that. But then I actually pursued a career in soft, which was primarily in software. So that's one. That's so. So for me, uh, I always wanted to, in some ways, wanted to connect to my roots. That was one the second thing was uh, before uh, starting petasense i built a company as you said uh, you know the, Resol- the the company that you mentioned resolvity it was in speech recognition and there is a lot of similarity you know between uh, speech recognition and what we are doing here at uh, petasets right so that's uh, that's kind of the connection i would say because you know analyzing vibration in machinery or sensor data in machinery uh, and especially vibration and analyzing human speech there are uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of similarities so that's kind of what uh, got us started also uh, four and a half years back when we uh, when abhinav my co-founder and i started pedisins you know one thing we were really inspired by was uh, you know the the simplicity of consumer devices around us, right? So, for example, you can strap on a Fitbit smartwatch, and you can get insights into your health, uh, into how well your uh, you know your your, your activity. Um, also, you can put on a internet connected camera at your home or a connected thermostat like Nest. You can do all this in a matter of minutes, if not hours, uh, maybe a couple of hours. Yet, in the industrial world getting sensors on machinery is a very painstaking process. Uh, and and that's the problem we set out to solve. We wanted to simplify this entire process of getting insights into machinery and, you know, both from a hardware perspective and a software perspective.
2: Awesome. And so for people who don't really know uh, about Pettisense, like what's what's your core business? Like what kind of things do you offer?
1: Yeah, so the the... Think about us as an end-to-end or a plug-and-play asset reliability and optimization system and what we mean by end-to-end is we provide an integrated hardware and software experience so we make sensors wireless sensors that uh that can be retrofitted on your machinery and we also provide the corresponding software that can analyze the insights uh, of these machine you know the insights that, that our sensors, the, the data that we get from our sensors. So, uh, we help plants, uh, implement predictive maintenance and, uh, you know, uh, with, with the help of our sensors and our software.
2: Perfect. And so if, if someone was looking to, to bring you guys to a plant, um, what does that process look like?
1: Right, and that's uh, that's an interesting question. Also, is uh, the, the other part to that is, do we even need to come into the plant? So uh, we've designed our system in such a way that our sensors are plug and play, you could literally uh, watch a, a YouTube video of how to install our sensors, or you could review our knowledge base articles and the plant themselves, they can install the sensors, if they have Wi Fi connectivity in their plant, um, you know, that's all they need. And if they don't have Wi-Fi connectivity, we can help them get Wi-Fi connectivity. But typically, let's say they do want to have us in their plants, their process is extremely simple. We would, um, you know, literally uh, spot face, just clean a machine up, remove some paint, and either stick or stud mount our sensors, uh, and uh, you can start seeing data immediately, you know, as long as you have Wi-Fi in the plant.
2: And so, for like you mentioned that you have diagnostic algorithms running, uh, how does that process look like? Do like if we're starting to report data immediately, are you alarming things immediately, or how long does that take to get running?
1: Again, now uh, that's a good question because there are two aspects of this, right? There is the aspect that the out of box, the out of box experience. So typically, when we uh, let's say configure a machine, let's say you're configuring a pump, we would use Certain out of the box alarm levels, but then we would also fine tune it. The algorithms would learn the machine over a period of time. Typically, you know, our sensors out of the box are configured to take a measurement once every three hours, and in a matter of two to three weeks, we have enough data for, you know, the algorithms to establish a real strong baseline of the machines, or baseline of the machine, and then you'll obviously fine tune the alarm levels. But out of the box, there are uh, guidelines. That uh, companies uh, in the vibration space have determined are, are good alarm levels. Um, so you'll have those. And after those three and after two to three weeks of learning, we will obviously fine tune it uh, based on that specific machine.
2: No, that's really cool. And so you guys, uh, like I was on your website, and it looks like you're not only doing vibration anymore, you're also doing uh, temperature, pressure, ultrasound, and electrical current. Do you want to give us a little background on what each one of those sensors does and, and like how you feed that into the models and then also you know where are you guys going next
1: Yeah so we in the May of this year we rolled out uh, a product um uh, called transmitter and that uh, allows you know it's almost it's like a sensor input module and it can take a wide range of sensors current sensors ultrasound temperature and uh, it sends the data to the peterson's cloud also the cloud can take data from the peterson's cloud has been designed to take data from sources that we may not even you know that 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 we may not even collect data from for example you know if you have data from your control system and stored in a pi historian we can integrate and collect data from that too so both sources either through the transmitter or through something that's stored in the historian we can collect data from from uh, from, from those sources. Uh, what was the second part of your question, Rob? Uh,
2: just where are you guys looking to add more
1: sensors? Right. So we think that, you know, um, one, we think that, you know, just like human, let's take an analogy, right, uh, human health, right? You know, it's one thing to get your, maybe, blood pressure, but that doesn't give you your entire, the entire picture of your cardiovascular health, right? So you want, you know, you want to know your cholesterol levels, you want to know uh, you want to know sugar levels, you, you want to know a bunch of parameters. And we think the same analogy, you know, is applicable to machinery. Uh, vibration may give you a indication of how well, you know, your bearings are doing, your mechanical health. And there may be certain certain defects that you could catch with vibration. But when you add other parameters, for example, for a pump, if you can add, you know, the inlet pressure and the outlet pressure, you can add current draw, you can add ultrasound, you can get a feel for what, you know, you can get a you can get a feel for a much wider set of defects. Or even you could optimize the performance of the pump. For example, you could see if you know you need to adjust flow rates. Are you are you are you operating it in the right are you operating your pump in the right way? Uh, Also you can get insights into, you know, for example, uh, are process issues, you know, um, affecting vibration? You know, what's really the root cause? Because sometimes, you know, high vibration is more a symptom. It's like, you know, temperature in a fever, but you need to understand what's causing it, right? So getting all these parameters helps you, uh, you know, determine that, right? So what's really driving up the vibration levels and getting process parameters like pressure or even machine parameters like current will give you a lot more insight than just vibration alone
2: yeah i was in a I was in a a talk earlier this year at a conference and that was one of their primary keys was like looking at the electrical draw on you know different pumps uh they said it was a a big indicator of failure
1: exactly yeah and it's all about actually the question you have to ask is Rob is what failure mode are you really looking to catch that's the fundamental question and then answer the question what sensors do you need right and and, you know can those sensors determine those failure help you catch those failure modes um so that's kind of the question we always ask first what are you looking to optimize you know or what are you looking to detect and then what are the sensors that are needed and then you need uh, somebody who's good at mechanical engineering or who you know uh, you need you need somebody with the subject matter expertise as to how the machine works to kind of shortlist the sensors that you need
2: I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And and to be honest, I'm really happy you said that um, about failure modes and about using equipment expertise, because I see a lot of companies that are kind of getting into this space at the trade shows. And one of the things they always say, they're just like, well, give me all the data and I'll tell you what the problem is going to be. Yeah. And, you know, from a you know, I'm an engineer as well as you are. And like from from engineering perspectives, we always like to define our problem and then define kind of what we're looking for, and and to me that's that's the correct starting space. Um, and so I guess I guess on that is, is like if you were to to go out to a plant um, and you're you're installing these vibration sensors or the electrical sensors, how do you incorporate the equipment expertise? into your model building process
1: yeah yeah and and uh, uh you know that's that's really uh, uh that's really what you know how do you capture asset knowledge into the software because and that 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 touches upon two things right one uh, the why is there a need for that right one and two how do you go about doing this the the need for that you know, just might be obvious to most people, but you know, we have a we have a, a challenge here in with when it comes to manufacturing in America that a lot of the the force the workforce that was that had this knowledge is retiring, and our kids do not are not getting into these factory jobs at the same rate that the factories want them. Right, so there's a lot of uh, trade knowledge, proprietary knowledge that is retiring. So. Companies need software to at least capture and model some of that knowledge that was there in that workforce that's a retiring. And now, the second part: How do you go about building that? We think that but we've, we've just started on this endeavor, and we are just beginning. There are certain classes of machines that we understand well from a Petasense perspective, and uh, you, and you might guess just because of how we've started, you know, those happen to be in the rotating machine category, um, you know, motors and pumps are. are are you know, our, our areas where we really understand well, we understand the failure modes and we are starting to model that into uh, our software. So what would that entail, right? It would entail modeling the failure modes, modeling um, the specific sensor parameters that are needed, certain machine parameters that are needed that you need to input into the software so that when we can provide an assessment of the health of the machine, you know, we could incorporate that or when we provide the, uh, or when we provide some diagnostic capabilities for example if we say that a pump is cavitating we have the right features that you know uh, to make the decision from an algorithm perspective right so it is a, the the process of adding asset knowledge uh, would rely on uh, subject matter experts um, we have started to do that and we expect to invest more and more in 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 model building capabilities so that somebody with that expertise can easily add uh, that piece of information into the software and that can enrich the software going forward, right so that anybody who le- who licenses our software will have s- s- will have some of those capabilities come out of the box.
2: So are you saying that um, your users would essentially build the model or how does or are you guys building the model with input from the user?
1: Yeah. So the the type of the user is a subject matter expert. Not every user could help add information to the model. So we are working with subject matter experts to help us build the initial set of models. Um, and the longer term, we hope to create a way for you know folks to um, improve the. You know, so we may seed the uh, seed our, our our for lack of a better term, the knowledge base. We may seed our knowledge base with certain set of uh, machines but longer term we do expect other subject matter experts to enhance this knowledge base of machines
0: does
2: it make sense yeah i really i really like that i re- yeah I, I really like that as a as a process i mean um i remember cummins uh, one of the biggest uh, diesel engine manufacturers in the world they they were rolling out a process a few years ago where Um, because they service a lot of their engines, that um, they would send their mechanics out and their mechanics would get kind of a troubleshooting guide. And once they returned from the job, they would input into the computer system what the actual root cause was, and that would affect which troubleshooting steps would be first or second based on the symptoms.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly, um, and I think this is this is in some ways um, the holy grail, right? Because if you can have really intelligent models that um, that can predict, that can uh, predict the defects, and that can optimize the performance of those machines, right? And and it does need that expertise, you know, of, of, of a of a company like Cum- Cummins in the engine space, you know, somebody who's actually the OEM of that machines, or somebody who's an expert in what it takes to Uh, you know uh, understand engines right
2: absolutely I I still like I I go to I don't know probably a a plant or two every month and I still am I still love walking around with the the mechanics and when they walk by a piece of equipment and stop and they they just like have this you know this little look on their face they either hear something wrong or it's too warm or it's too cold and then they write something down in a notebook and it's like, oh, I'm coming back to that one tomorrow. I still love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's that intuition, right? Uh, and they can, they've can they been around and, uh, you know, that's what uh, it's pattern recognition. It's uh, that they have, you know, that they have built over the years of working in the plant. Absolutely.
2: So I, I wanted to ask you if you had an example for us where you detected an anomaly or a potential failure and kind of give us like what was the scenario, and what, what the ROI was for the customer.
1: Yeah, and I'll give you a, we've, uh, quite, we've detected quite a few failures. Let me highlight uh, two of them, um, because I think it also highlights one of the at least in, a, in in one of them it highlights the importance of using more than one parameter. So we had a pharmaceutical client of ours that you know they started what, what it's been more than a year. Since they have deployed our technology, and they were monitoring a wide range of air handler units, um, and we noticed that um, you know, couple of them, couple of the air handler units, they were, um, they had very high uh, frequency vibration. Um, sorry, they had high vibrations at the lower frequencies on the spectrum. You know, the overall vibrations were not alarming, but. We were seeing that the amplitude of the vibration at lower frequencies, sub running speed frequencies were quite high. And we were trying to figure out what's happening. And, and they would come in and it would come in and go out and come in and go out. So it is not consistent. You know, you would get a few readings because, you know, our, our sensors take measurements once every couple of hours. Right. So you would see it sometimes and go away. And just with vibration alone, we just couldn't say what was happening. And then we decided that then we decided to run an analysis a correlation analysis along with the running, the VFD frequency. And so we got in VFD frequencies uh, into the data set, and we plotted that alongside vibration. And sure enough, we noticed a pattern that it was happening only at certain uh, VFD running speeds and um, and it was happening consistently uh, at that at that frequency uh, at those vfd running speed frequencies and obviously and then we confirmed it so there was a resonance kind of issue at that running speed so it was a big catch because that air handler was uh, cooling a very critical laboratory where these pharma companies the cost of losing an experiment runs in you know high you know seven figures if they lose an experiment so we were able to catch that and we were able to um have them program the vfds to avoid those sets of speeds right? so that's one example the other example um, you know that we've talked about before um, or, or that that is a big one is um, you know we helped the combined cycle power plant here silicon valley power catch a problem with their generator cooling fan, so this generator cooling fan is a very critical piece of uh, equipment because you know it. If the generator cooling fan um, blows up, you essentially lose production capacity. You you have to derate your plant. And actually, in, in interestingly, they had a problem uh, in the past. This is before they started monitoring with Petersons. They had a problem where they lost. Uh, one of their gas turbine uh, gas turbines, uh, they they lost capacity they, because of a failure of the generator fan. They they could not produce energy for almost four to six weeks. So this was high, you know, this was millions of dollars worth in losses. And we caught a problem uh, in one in in in, a, in in such a fan, right? In the other unit they had two units like this. So we caught a problem uh, in the fan, and uh, we started noticing it. We were trending it. Um, and uh, we you know we noticed you know as the vibration levels increased, we uh, diagnosed that it was a bearing problem on the fan. We uh, got together with the plant and it was kind of, this is one of those come to Jesus moments, right? We got in, we were talking to the plant manager and we were analyzing the data and uh, you know he decided to take a preemptive shutdown of a power plant and this was a big thing for us because the technology, you know, the data that we provided was being used to take a preemptive shutdown in a power plant. They did that. They found a problem. And that tremendously increased their confidence, um, you know, in in the technology and belief in in doing this continuous monitoring. And now they've been one of our most successful customers. So they did find a problem. They got back. Uh, They took, I think their preemptive shutdown was about six to eight hours. Uh, they took a shutdown and uh, also happens that this shutdown was right as a heat wave was hitting California. So right when they needed a, they needed to produce power, uh, they took it and they would be able to produce power. So this is a big success story for us.
2: That's the, that's the, Murphy's, law, right? the
0: Murphy's
1: Law, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And in these plants, you talk to folks who have been long enough, they can tell you, right? It's it's. It's that Friday evening when you right when you're ready to go out. When you go back home is when all the <laughs> when disaster strikes. Sometimes, right? So
2: yeah, yeah absolutely. Actually, it's funny when you when you were talking about the the variable frequency drives. Uh, I took a vibe course about I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and the the vibration analyst he's been doing vibration for twenty years, and he was saying when they introduced you know VFDs um the operations group, they always find the resonant frequency and they always want to operate at that frequency.
1: That's <laughs> amazing, right and even and, and it's interesting you mentioned that so even today people sometimes don't measure the running speed, a lot of vibration programs they just measure vibration on a VfD driven equipment and that's a problem, right So that's the advantage you talk about multiple parameters. If you can measure the current alongside vibration, that, that adds so much more value, right, to the analysis.
2: Absolutely, and so, I, like you mentioned, I think before we started recording, was your platform can also bring in like other parameters from your Pi system. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so we, um, you know, we've designed our cloud to both, you know, to integrate with Pi both ways, right? We can send data into Pi. A lot of our customers do that because, they want to view machine health data alongside process data right Uh, so you're monitoring a process can you also monitor machine parameters so we can do it that way or the other way as you just mentioned in your question if you want to leverage our machine learning algorithms so today what we have is we have today what we have rolled out to our customers is two sets of capabilities with respect to machine learning one is uh, anomaly detection based health score of a machine right so um so you know like we form a multi parameter baseline of a machine and uh, and then we can look at deviations from that baseline now what goes into that baseline can be just from our sensors or it can be a combination of our sensor data and what pi collects for example if pi is collecting the vfd speeds right you could you could send that data into our system today and you could um your machine learning driven health score could incorporate that in the baseline so that would be one way to do it um, you could also now this is um you could also start doing uh, getting other process parameters pressure um you know uh temperature uh, things like that flow things like that but i would say right now it's been more you know where you know the the practical use cases have been around getting some of the machine data, you know, and we are doing more and more, uh, you know, and we are sending data from our system to PI for their process optimization. We expect customers as they, you know, as they continue to invest in our technology, we expect them to send more information from PI to our system.
2: Awesome. And so I guess I got a a few more questions. Um, So, What's a, you know, for you guys, like, what's a typical customer size? Are there any, do you have any limitations on the, either the low end
1: or the high end? Yeah, so, um, you know, typically we start off, our trials start off with customer mo- customers monitoring half a dozen machines, um, you know, so, and, and they try to pick two, a couple, at least two types of machines to start off with. So typically, at the low end, we say don't start a trial unless you have, you know, maybe 15 to 20 sensors more plus, you know, obviously, the software that goes alongside it, right, because then at least you're trying to establish, uh, you know, a, a, a good experiment where you are looking to capture certain Uh, defects during the trial, right? So that's on the low end. High end, we've scaled, you know, there are plants that have instrumented all their rotating machines with hundreds of sensors. We have clients, you know, in general, we've scaled to several thousand sensors across all our clients. We have 30 plus clients. um, And I would say maybe 80% of these 30 plus clients are Fortune Fortune 1000 manufacturing companies. And uh, they have multiple plants too. So we are just, you know, right now we are probably in one or maybe a second plant. So we see a lot of uh, opportunity for us to scale across all these plants in the future. But at the low end, we would recommend when you start, you can you should at least pick half a dozen machines to start with. And then and then as you build confidence in the technology and the fact that you can catch defects, you instrument your entire plant and then take that success story and go to multiple plants okay. or your other sites, your sister sites. So, absolutely and so i
2: i guess i've i've seen a fair amount of these companies uh doing artificial intelligence with you know sensor data how do you differentiate Petasense from everybody else
1: um i think uh, the the there are two ways we do it one is that it's the simplicity of um, our end to end model there are lots of So, when I say simplicity of the end-to-end model is there are lots of companies that are really good at just the software side or just the hardware side, but there are very few companies that can get both right and give them end-to-end experience. There are companies that provide tools for you to build the predictive models, but then you have to do a lot of the heavy lifting, right? you have to bring the subject matter experts you have to bring software developers and data scientists to do it to do it all and that's that can be a long expensive process there are companies that use traditional analysis techniques uh, on the other spectrum uh, and there are big challenges with that if you do not use uh, uh, machine learning techniques to at least give you a first level feel for the analysis because think about it in the other spectrum right in the old days you would have vibration analysis firms that would collect data once a month and they would manually analyze the data that model cannot scale in this wireless world you are collecting data once every hour once every 2 hours every 3 hours so you cannot have a manual analysis process so i think the way we differentiate you know petasense is that it's it's um a focus solution and end to end solution that's one the second one is in the machine learning side and it i would uh, go back to what we discussed earlier early right we we don't just use statistical techniques we build in a lot of physics based modeling and asset knowledge into the features that we um, that we use for our machine learning so in some ways it's a very focused solution so What that means is our machine learning uh, models will work well on certain classes of assets that we have expertise in, and we are continuously investing and adding to those. But we don't claim to be experts in all kinds of machinery, you know? Uh, And we don't say that this algorithm works across everything. So we have, you know, areas of machinery that we really understand well, and that's what, you know, where we can add value.
2: Absolutely, I, I really like that approach Um, I think that if you try to apply machine learning, just as a blanket statement across everything, there's going to be some, some problems with that. And maybe it's, it's because the reliability engineer in me comes out, but, but I definitely think that understanding the equipment is fundamental in applying machine learning the right way.
1: Yeah, Exactly you know and there's this big debate people are having right is is should we just do physics based modeling should we just do statistical modeling which is machine learning you know primarily we believe that you require both right you know you, you need to get your features etc from a strong understanding of the equipment which is physics based modeling and then you can ap- apply machine learning to automate uh, some of the analysis the initial level analysis right
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I I wanted to ask you this question, because I mean, you're, you're obviously plugged into the Silicon Valley culture. So what's the culture like? And, and, you know, what's the startup world like?
1: Oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, there's a lot written about it, uh, obviously, in the press. Um, and I think uh, what, let me tell you uh, what I have seen, because I actually moved to the Valley uh, six years back. So I'm relatively new, I would say. I used to live in Texas before. Um, so very different place. <laughs> so the culture, <laughs> so, you know, the, the you know, I think it's, uh, it, it's an amazing culture because you get people with different backgrounds um, and in um, a really diverse set of skills and it's a very roll up your sleeves non bureaucratic you know work environment where everybody uh, feels that they can create impact so it's real fun uh, that way um, and we uh, think that uh, ai and machine learning is is obviously the buzzword in a in in a, and, and and like in many things in silicon valley a lot of startups um, are focused obviously on different markets like the consumer market self driving those kinds of markets obviously get a lot of buzz but we think that there's a lot of value in manufacturing, right? So in some ways, I think we are unique in Silicon Valley, sense, in the sense that they may, I would say there are a handful of companies, three to four companies that are in the Valley that are concentrating on machine learning applications in the manufacturing space. Of course, a lot of them are, you know, there's I would say a significantly higher proportion of them are working on the consumer side of things, right?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. Like I've always like the uh just like the concept of uh you know everyone working together to try to solve problems so i, I think it's a really cool place
1: yeah absolutely and uh, you know needless to say uh, the other fact is you know, a lot of the capital to support all of these technology development is available here so while the teams themselves may be distributed i think a, a, you know what i notice is most early stage startups in the Silicon Valley start on day one with distributed teams, you know, so it's not that everybody is based in Valley, maybe, you know, for example, at Pettersense, our hardware engineering, and, um, you know, uh, mechanical engineering is located here in the Valley, and some of the data science aspects are in the Valley, a lot of our software team is in Bangalore. So right up front, it's a very distributed team. And I'm seeing this with other Silicon Valley startups, too. So. Um, so you could be working for a Silicon Valley startup without being in Silicon Valley. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: awesome. And I, the, my last question I got for you. So you're, you're kind of on the leading edge of you know technology, at least in the you know manufacturing reliability space. And so, where do you see the future of reliability going in you know, let's say two to five years?
1: I think, um, I think the future is a lot of reliability is going to start getting designed in to the equipment that that comes in in the future, right? Um, we see a future where uh, you should you know, with, with smart sensing with machine learning, you, almost the plant can operate with no unplanned downtime, right? That that is very much possible with if you understand the machine well, and you can get the data in the right way and you build the right kind of models, and more and more, I think it can get designed right into the process, right? So much smarter machines, self-aware machines, so to speak, um, would be, we think the future where this is all going with, and especially if you can you know, plug that alongside, as you said, AR and VR uh, technologies, right? You could even think eventually uh, machines that self-heal because you think about self-driving cars, right? They are probably going to become uh, a reality. Very, you know, not too far in the future. So, similar, similarly, self-aware machines that can correct, that can that can recognize what's going wrong and things like that, and then getting it into control and things like that, we can see that happening in the future.
2: Yeah. And I- I wanted to ask you this uh, you mentioned at the beginning that that uh, speech recognition and uh, what you're doing now with vibration analysis is similar it, it, let's what do you mean by that like explain to me how that they're similar
1: yeah you're looking at at a very engineering level you're looking for features in a high frequency analog signal and trying to interpret it right so in speech recognition you're trying to um, look at the look at human speech and convert it into words, right? What, what the spoken words are. And in the case of machinery vibration, you're looking at patterns um, in the vibration and you're trying to correlate it to specific defects. If, if a bearing, there is outer race defect on a bearing or you do FFT analysis in vibration, you do FFTs in speech. So there's a lot of similarity, right? To the underlying techniques um, in, in some ways. So both are, uh, you know, both sound and vibration are high frequency analog signals that need to be interpreted.
2: Interesting, I never thought of speech like that, but that's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I saw, when I first discovered that people use FFTs to do vibration, I was like, wow, okay, interesting. Similar to speech recognition, yeah.
2: Arun, do you have anything you want to talk about? Like, obviously, Pedasense go to pedasense dot um, We'll link you on LinkedIn. Is there? Are you going to be at any conferences, or is there anything else you want people who are listening to check out?
1: Oh, thanks, Rob. I just lost you there briefly for a couple of seconds, but yeah, thanks for this. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation with you. Uh, you know, I, if you visit the valley anytime. Feel free to stop by our office. Yeah, just a few things. Yeah, you can look us up on LinkedIn. We all uh, at at Pettersense. You can. Uh, we also are on Twitter. We are going to be at IMC, um, you know, uh, end of the year, and we also have as we also have a Pettersense user conference that's coming up on November eighth. So, so those are two. Uh, you know, if you want to connect with us as reliability engineers, we would love to have reliability engineers join us either for the user conference uh, in November eighth. It's in. Uh, you can look up on our website and uh, it's it's gonna be in Stanford University. Uh, They're a customer of ours uh, in Palo Alto. And uh, we're also gonna be at the IMC conference later this year in uh, in Bonita Springs in Florida.
2: Absolutely, I'll be at, I'll be at IMC as well. So are you gonna be there?
1: Yes, I'm gonna be there. We're gonna have a booth. We're actually giving a talk on machine learning, I think, and uh, also a customer presentation. So we're gonna be both talking and, and exhibiting.
2: Perfect. Yeah. I look forward to meeting you and, and I'm bringing my recorder. So we'll, we'll definitely sit down and chat.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Likewise. Look forward to seeing you.
2: Yeah. I think I might be talking about machine learning as well. So So we'll be competing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, no. Look forward to your discussion, to your presentation
2: awesome uh arun thanks for coming on i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to to speak with us and
1: share your knowledge oh always a pleasure love talking about this i can keep going <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> thank you thank you so much rob
2: <laughs> well i mean we'll definitely have you back on um for everyone listening um you know thanks for listening first off uh if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast It's available now on 11 different platforms.